0: Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. All time. Again, season of Advent, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to look at one verse today. This one verse we're going to look at is just going to basically kind of spearhead the picture of the love of Christ, the love of God. And as we do this, again, we are, we're down to the wire now. Uh, last month, right after Thanksgiving, we had a month to get yourself, your mind, your heart, your affections focused on Christ and what it means. I will assure you, if you get into the the stereotypical Christmas season, it will give you enormous amounts of angst. It will give you an anxiety. How often do people spend money they don't have impressing people that don't care about them in the first place? Amen? How often do people wake up from the induced frenzy of Christmas only to open a credit card bill in January and get an overwhelming sense of not euphoria, but of nausea. They spent way more than they should, and all of this for nothing. They missed the whole entire reason for Christmas, and sadly, now they're going to spend the next however many months, if not some people I've heard at times, spending a year's worth of money they did not have for the foolishness and buying into the commercialism of Christmas This is the most important fact. Jesus Christ came. As we celebrate Christmas, it's because Jesus Christ was born. We are looking at the time through history in the last month when there was no hope for us. Not only if you're not a Jewish person, but there was no hope in the the reality of of true hope. See, hope is the promise that things are going to change. That's why it's so hopeless when you watch the news right now because my almost 50 years of life, I have watched, when you turn on the news, they magnify hopelessness. They magnify the divisions and all of these things. Instead of what I believe news should be, it should be positive stories. It should be wonderful stories about the things that we we really kind of now seem to not be the norm, but the exception of people doing the right thing, doing the right thing, saying the right thing, going into a restaurant, let's say, and ordering your food and actually getting what you're supposed to get. Amen? Maybe the thing even being open in the first place, that's the good news, that they happen to have enough employees that showed up at the work so that you were able to get a... a, But no, we see the opposite. We see when someone goes in there, gets upset, and they they begin assaulting the, the workers or whatever it might be, and that is not encouraging. That does not bring hope to me. Hope is real, and hope cannot come in anything from the world's perspective Because the hope of Christ is a hope that is actually a hope. It's a hope that will be fulfilled. It is a hope that September 20th of 2004, when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I didn't even recognize the magnitude of what had happened when I gave my life to Christ. Because as I woke up the next day, I had this emptiness and this longing that had been with me for my life that was gone. And for the first time in my life, it was gone. And I remember believing that if this ever left, I would walk away from this again. And it's amazing that that has never left. The fulfillment that knowing Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior was a fulfillment that has truly given me what I had longed for but didn't even recognize that I had. It was not a longing for religion. It was not a longing for a feeling It was a longing for belonging that I didn't, again, recognize that I have. And today, what I want to help you understand is I can lead you to the cross today, but ultimately, I can't make you believe truth. I can share with you the hope of Christ, but ultimately, you are in your own self, in your heart, in your person. You're the one that has to act on truth. And my prayer today is that the Spirit of God would open your heart, would give you understanding, Of what the belonging is in being a follower of Christ Jesus. I want to share something this morning. This is it God's love is like an ocean. You can go to the edge of where it begins, but you will never see where it ends or ever experience the full depth of it. For those of you who are comic type people, I've read this little quote this week that I thought was pretty interesting. And it it was saying that Christianity is the only story where the villain is celebrated. Think about Jesus, right? He was the villain, ultimately put him to death. And it's profound when you think about that because the hero dies. Truly, the hero of the story is Jesus. But who does he die for? He dies for the real villain, which was the lost. So I hope today you are in love with the hero of all time, all of space, and all eternity. It's the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one that paid the price for us. I hope you found the scripture this morning in Romans chapter 5. Again, just one verse, verse 8, and if you are physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. But God proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for truth. God, thank you for Christ Jesus, Lord, the sacrifices. We celebrate his coming as a baby in the manger so long ago. Father, thank you for the life that it brought, the hope that it brought, the peace, the joy, and the love of you extended in that gift of the Christ Child, Father, I pray that Your Holy Spirit would hedge His grounds with Your protective angels, purge anything that would not honor, glorify You. Lord, bring life to the lifeless and hope to the hopeless today. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, and we ask all this in the name of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. You may be seated. This so is the first half, of the first part of verse 8 again, but God proves, some versions say demonstrates, same, same picture. God proves, demonstrates his own love for us. And the first thing that I want to share with you this morning is this. God just didn't say he loved us, he proved it. You know, when you look at the whole picture conceptually of Christ coming and laying his life down for us, I say this often because I think it bears to be said And no one would give their child up to allow someone who's guilty to go free. No one would. We have children that, anybody in here have a sinless child? Feel free to, if you do, right? Sometimes we want to think that, our little angels, right? We know that they're not, are they? I I assure you that my children are as wretched as anybody else's is, right? Right? When they come up and say something, to, uh, something weird about your family to me, I'm like, whoa. By the way, I won't believe what they say if you won't believe what mine say. Amen? But no one in here has children that are sinless. We are sinners. Uh, and Again, I've, I've had people say, you know, you hold that brand new baby. My dad shared this years ago. Uh, he's retired pastor, still fills in now, but, you know, he... he he says subconsciously when he was holding a little baby, he'd just say, you little sinner, you. And I was like, you know, Pop, he, he goes, you never can say that out loud. But it was about that time in seminary that I was trying to understand the, the concept of the sin nature that we're born with. Because I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard people hold a baby and go, man, this is just so innocent. This is just so perfect and so without, without the sin and the mass. And you know, it's like, God, I, I can't ride that because if I do ride that train of thought, then what I'm saying is that in some way the child has escaped the sin nature. And if that's the truth, then wait a minute, then we've got a, an inherent issue because Scripture talks about the sin nature that's passed down through the Father, right? At, in Adam, all sin, so we get our sin nature from the Father's DNA. Now, I'll quickly throw in a little headline there. The reason that Jesus was sinless is because he, Scripture says it, conceived by the Holy Spirit. He did not have an earthly father. That is why Jesus was sinless because, therefore, he did not have an earthly father's DNA. That's the reason that Jesus was able to be sinless. But I I was thinking about this one day, and I was like, God, i got to help people understand this. I don't just want to say, well, that's just the way it is. And God gave me this analogy in my mind. I'm thinking about, Mom, okay, you have a baby. You're not going to raise this baby in any other theater but a room that you've been given. doesn't matter how big the room is. It's inconsequential to the story. But I got to thinking about this, and God just laid it as as plain on my heart as possible. There's only one plug in the entire room. Mom is in the room. Mom has never had a foul emotion. Mom has never uttered a foul word. Mom has done nothing but been the consummate amazing demonstration of a compassionate, shepherding, tender mother that you could ever imagine for this child. So you, mom, are in this little room. You got your rocking chair. You sing lullabies. You're reading scripture to the child. You're doing nothing that would in any way allow the child to be affected by the external. So this beautiful little child that you have one day, and it's desire to explore begins to crawl its little way over to the one outlet that happens to be on the other side of the room. By the way, you haven't talked to your child about electricity. You haven't talked about nothing. You have been in there literally giving this child the euphoria of all imaginable, right? So as the child goes over there, the only thing you do is in a nice little sweet tone Oh, come on over here, little Bobby, Peggy, Sue, or whatever the name of your child is. And you go, let's go over here because there is danger over there. And I love you so much that I don't want anything bad to happen to you. And let's just, just come on over here. What do they do? Where are they going? Not only are they going back there, they're going in high speed. Oh, so you taught it to do that, didn't you? You taught it to rebel. You taught that child to rebel, didn't you? No. It is that nature within us that was passed on from Adam. We are born sinners. So now I understood when my dad was telling me that we can look at a child and believe that they are sinless, but that's the sin nature that dwells within us. We don't teach each other to sin as much as we want to think so, right? See, that's the beauty of this morning, is that the advent of Christ, the advent of Jesus' birth, ushered in the ability for us today to have hope. Hope from what? Hope that we could be objects of God's mercy as opposed to objects of God's wrath. Do you realize that a child born like that, now you have the age of accountability, and I realize that. If a child dies before the age of accountability, I believe full well, Scripture teaches that they are transported to God's presence beyond a shadow of a doubt. They haven't even gotten to the age where they're accountable for their actions, amen? Very encouraging to me, I like that. It's very encouraging having a, a sister who died of SIDS. That's a very encouraging truth to me that I will see my sister Martha again one day. But the beauty of understanding that hope is that us this morning are able to have the promise, the hope, that we can be objects not of God's wrath because the wages of sin is death, the same way that we see in the courtroom here. What has to happen? Someone has to pay. There is a payment that must be paid for sin, that the wages of sin is death. So we can either pay the price ourselves, which would be to enter eternity. Now remember, you think about the beauty of what God created when Adam and Eve sinned. You think about this breaking a chasm that separated us from God. God's desire was to dwell with man, but mankind said, no, I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do it, and he did that, which the consequences of that was the separation. By the way, just so you can have this understanding, when people believe that hell is just this thing that God created to torment people, no, what hell is is God giving mankind the desire to dwell separated from him, and because God is the giver of every good and perfect thing right now when you breathe in, You are experiencing a gift from God. When you have hope today, you have hope because of the gift that God has given us. You have peace today because of the gift that God has given you. The joy today that we have is a gift that God's given. I could go on with a litany of things this morning that God has done and has offered to us. But also God is the God of free will. That's a tough one for people. Because what we want to believe is, I can live like I want to, do what I want to do, and God, you're going to like it. No, God just merely gives you what your desire is. If you don't come to faith in Jesus Christ and Christ doesn't pay the price, God merely says, as C.S. Lewis says, in death one day, thy will be done. And God merely gives us the desire of us, which is what? To dwell within the chasm that separated man from God. That is a place we know as hell. Every good and perfect gift is absent in that place we know as hell. That is what the reality of what hell is. It is absent of oxygen. It's absence of light. It's absence of hope. It's absence of peace. It's absence of joy. It's absence of everything that you and I desire. The problem is everybody also is given an eternal state of being, which is a body that cannot die, So imagine being in a place that's incompatible for life, but unable to remove yourself from it and unable to die. That is the essence of what I'm talking about this morning. Because see, Christ's desire for us and God's desire for us is to experience in the fullness everything that he created us to experience. And yet one day, the removal of everything broken and sin and hurt and heartache will be restored in the place we know as heaven. That's the beautiful understanding of that, and the hope and the joy and that peace and the fulfillment that God desires for us is what that will be. What I'm so thankful for this morning is that the advent, the coming, paved the way for us this very morning to go from being an object of God's wrath because of the sin nature we're born with, and by confessing our sin, placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we can be restored in fellowship with the God that created us. See, that is the hope this morning. And what did that? What compelled God to do that? It's the love of God. I can't fathom how God could love us. I can't. Again, I've thought about, conceptually, my son, being offered to die and pay the price for someone else's sin, not a sinless son. Remember, my son's a sinner. Your son's a sinner. I cannot even begin to imagine allowing my son to die in the place for someone that deserved death. But yet, not only did God do that through Christ, he placed our sin debt on Christ's account. Jesus paid it all and it is the, the biblical interpret understanding of it, is the full weight of what we rightfully owed was placed on him, and he paid it in full. Why? Because he loves us. See, God just didn't say he loved us, he proved it. This morning, God's desire for us is to experience life in the fullness of, And everything that God intended for us to experience, God's plan and his purpose for you and I today is to walk in the plan and that purpose that he has for you. See, I wish I had more time because my parents were missionaries in South America uh, 40-whatever years ago. My dad was going to be the postmaster of Chicago, walked away from all of that because God called him to be a missionary, my mom. They went to South America. My brother Dan was only about a year or two old. They got down to uh, Peru in South America when my mom got pregnant with my sister Martha. My sister Martha was born, and two weeks later, my dad goes in to pick her up one morning, and she was dead. She was gone. My dad picks her up. Remember now, they're in the mountains of Peru. No family, no support network. There's two young people with a little little boy, a two-year-old child, who are completely broken. And I cannot even imagine my parents' mindset of, you mean I our lives to you, God, and you do this? I can't imagine the emotions, I can't imagine the questions or the anger that they might have experienced with God, which they've never told me. But I remember growing up as a little boy, my mother, on Martha's birthday, I would see my mom, she'd get real emotional. She'd cry and Because I got old enough and she explained to me, you know, Martha's in heaven and and I just get sad. I miss Martha and, you know, the normal things that any parent would even years later. And about five years, maybe six years ago, I'm preaching one morning or Sunday night. And I'm trusting God, right, in everything that I do with my life. And and God just hits me with this Romans 8.28 as I'm dealing with that and we're unpacking that. And it hits me in the middle of a service. If my sister Martha hadn't died, I wouldn't be standing here. And I remember when that hit me. I called my mom on the way home from church, and I said, Mom, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Do you realize, Mom, that not only my brother, who's the uh, Chief Justice of the Second Court of Appeals in Florida, would not have been born, nor would me never been born if my sister Martha had not been picked up dead in her crib at two weeks old in Peru with my parents on the mission field, but tell them that at the time. This is where I'm going. The hope of God is that God has a purpose and a plan for our life. The peace of God supports us in the midst of those storms, as he does even with our walk with him. That can bring us an overwhelming sense of joy in the midst of what seems a crushing blow to us in this two-dimensional world we live in but it is the love of God that stands firm in those promises and will sustain us every step of the way. Well, I don't know about you, but that brings me a piece that surpasses all understanding. And when I called my mom, I remember her, it resonating with her like nothing else. And we experienced that last year. This past week was the anniversary of the loss of our daughter-in-law. And it's been a hard week. It's been a hard week. See, now, this is my moment in the jungles of South America to trust God that he is ever faithful. And I'm trusting him. It might not be for 10, 20, or 30 years that we'll ever understand why God allowed little precious Jasmine to go. But I'm trusting him. You know why? Because God never lies, and God is ever faithful. And I want you to know this morning, whatever mountain you're facing whatever valley you may be in, whatever heartache or heartbreak you may be faced with this morning, and maybe you're sitting there in that pew crushed by whatever it is that you're battling, I want to assure you this morning that God is faithful, and His promises are true to you, and He will not lie to you. He will not leave you, and He will not forsake you. All you've got to do is stand firm steadfast in the reality that he doesn't lie. He has no compulsion to. And he doesn't change. That's the awesome part about his nature. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can hold fast to that. That second part of verse 8 says right then, right? That while we were still sinners. So we have that first part. But God demonstrates or proves his own love for us that while we were still sinners. And the second thing I want to share with you this morning is this. The love of God captures us while we were still hopeless. Now you think about it. Jesus came a long time ago. He died on the cross a long time ago. Uh, I said that this week. We weren't even a thought. We were 2,000 plus years ahead. That's what's so profound. Remember in the creation narrative, God creates time. Evening and morning. He created that not for himself. God didn't need time. He doesn't need time. As a matter of fact, God exists this morning, church, outside of time. A little, the only way this really resonates with people is when you look at the, watch the movie Back to the Future, right? Doc and Marty, when they're in the time machine, can basically exist outside of time, kind of, right? Right? God exists outside of time. He is not bound by his creation. So God is present, this will blow your mind, in eternity, past, present, and future, all at one time. Just because you don't, I don't, don't understand it doesn't change it. We are finite. God is infinite. You look at uh, Koleb, you look at, not Koleb, you look at, uh, I'm just here, the suns, the big, huge suns I talk about all the time. Sorry, I got so excited, I outran myself mentally. Octurus Antares, there you go. Those suns are so massive, it makes our sun look like a pixel on a paper. They're massive. When you think about the infinites of the things out, if you've ever studied anything what's out in the cosmos, it is unreal how small we are. God doesn't create anything Bigger than himself, so God's infinite is incomprehensible. Well, how in the world could God know how many hairs everybody's got on his head at one time? That's nothing for him. He doesn't have to think about it. That is the profound nature with which the power of God is. That's encouraging to me. Because what that means is, is in eternity past, God knew exactly that you and I would need a Savior, He knew us by name. When Jesus died on the cross, he knew every person who would ever come to faith in Jesus Christ and the sin weight of those people, God laid on his son to pay the price in full. You know what else? He knows if you don't. He knows if you're going to do it yourself. God gives you free will. This minuscule time in history that we have, life is but a vapor. don't know about you my life has gone like that not only has it gone like that it continues to get faster and faster and in a scary reality my senior saints one said most notably when I told him I can't get this to he said you ain't seen nothing yet when I was talking about how months go by like days for me he said five-year periods go by like months if that was supposed to encourage me, it didn't. Because I remember when I was 23 years old like yesterday. I can still smell, smell, I can still see the sun. It was like it was yesterday. And here I am over 25 years later and it feels like it's merely been five or ten years. Jim Elliott, the missionaries, many of you who were, were alive when this happened, when they were killed by the Awka Indians, you remember that. Shortly before Jim Elliott died, he made a statement. He said, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I will assure you this morning, there are very wealthy people trying to do everything possible to extend their lives this morning. Find out about the founders of Google and, right, and all these. They're doing everything in their power to achieve immortality. That's what they want. They want to hang on to this. They're going to lose that battle. Amen? Nobody gets out alive. I, that's the, that is the fact I know well. Nobody gets out alive. All you got to do is work in healthcare, and you'll find out quick. You're not going to win that battle. So this is my question to you this morning. You want to roll the dice? It's just, let's just hypothetically let's say this. Um, You know, I like your little presentation there, preacher. I get it, Uh, you know. um, I'm going to roll the dice. Ain't no big deal. I'm going to just go, I I know there's no God. I know there's no returning. Okay, let me just buy into yours for a second, okay? Let's pretend there's not. I can't explain what happened to me on September 20th of 2004, but something changed. Big time. My wants, my wills, my desire, my peace, my hope, my joy, my contentment was 180 degrees transformed that day. Never forget it. Rest of my life. Oh, is that a figment of my imaginations? Okay, let's say I lived moral for, let's say I lived to be 80 years old. For 50 years, I lived a quote-unquote moral life and just, let me tell you what, I enjoy the hope, the peace, the joy, the contentment, the fulfillment that I have. I would not change it. Anybody who knows me knows that I am a happy person. I'm happy all the time. I don't feel like it because those that know me know that I've had a lot of back surgeries and I have pain constantly. That's the color of my face. It's not because I feel great. It's because I hurt big time. So if I'm living in some mirage and 50 years from now the lights go off and that's it, guess what I've lost? Nothing. Now let me go your way. I don't believe in this God. It's all fake. I'm wasting my time with that God guns and automobile stuff. I don't care about it all. It's brainwashing. Well, first of all, you're miserable. Your statements tell me you're miserable. You're hopeless. You're just living for yourself, and, I mean, you got, you got the choice. Do what you want to do. But I got a question for you. There's 50% chance either way. If I, if I take what you say, what if I'm right? And you're wrong. That's all I ask you. Not only did you live your life miserable because you had no hope, you had no peace, you had no joy, you had no contentment. Can you imagine when you stand before God one day as scripture promises, all you gotta do is talk to the trauma physician up there at UT in Knoxville who ended up was an atheist, came to Christ because he had seen too many of it happen and he went and researched the truth and guess what? He's a sold out follower of Jesus Christ now and was a trauma surgeon that was lost. Now he's a trauma surgeon in love with Jesus because he knows truth. Go find people like that. People who actually thought with the mind God gave them instead of buying the foolishness of this world. And now they have the hope, the peace, the joy, the contentment because of Christ and the freedom that's found in that. Or you can roll the dice with your perceived belief that this isn't real. I challenge you. This is what I challenge you to do, though. I challenge you to say, hey, God, if you're the, the man that this preacher out at 101 Cooper Road says you are, reveal yourself to me. That's, what I, that's all I ask you to do. You know Why? Because if you truly do that with actual desire to know the truth, I know God will give you the understanding of his reality. You know why? Because God's desire is that none should perish. God's desire is for you to be fulfilled and at peace and have hope and joy and contentment. That's what I challenge you to do because this is what I also know. I couldn't stand up here over the course of a 1,000 years and convince you of something that you do not want to know. But God can. And I want to encourage you again in that truth because, see, God just didn't say he loves you. Proved it. Number two, God's love captivates us while we were still hopeless. See, God, he captures, he captivates, he encompasses everything, and his desire today is to fulfill every single longing and belonging, not in the earthly perspective, but in actually the real truth, the real truth confines of what those things are found in because the Bible is this church. People think, you know, the Bible, it just prevents me from having a good time. I don't want that religion stuff because I just want to have a good time and eat, drink, and be merry. Let me just tell you this. You know what the Bible is? The Bible is nothing more than a framework with which the greatest level of fulfillment that any person can ever experience is found Do you know what the Bible only, the only thing the Bible prevents us from doing? Things that will rob you of the greatest level of fulfillment that any person can ever experience. I challenge you to think about what I just said. In depth, not just here right now. Go home, lay in bed, meditate on it in the quietest time of your life. I have nothing to gain by this. But you have everything to gain from this. And then the third and final thing, the last part of verse 8 is this. Christ died for us. Third and final thing this morning is this. The baby Jesus came with the sole purpose of dying a death that we should have. I shared that earlier. There's a payment that has to be paid. By the way, you can't go into court. Okay, let's just say your wife, a husband or your husband, wife, they, they like to speed Let's say uh, somebody here, they're not here, so I can't, nobody will know who I'm talking about. Somebody was labeled a super speeder in another state. Not just a speeder, they called him a super speeder. That sounds like a pretty cool title, doesn't it? I wonder if you get a thing for the wall or something. But they were labeled, and they suspended their license. They said, if you ever come back to this state, you're going to go to jail. You're a super speeder. Now let's just say that the, the husband or wife went down there for the court date, said, listen. They did it, but I wanted, I, I'm going to substitute being in their place, and I want them to go free. I want you to give me what they're going to get. What would, what would they do? They'd tell you to go pound dirt, wouldn't they? They'd say, no, you better get them in here. They're going to jail. You can't do that in the court system, can you? You can't go when somebody else has been accused of murder and step in their place and, no, I want them to go free. I'll take the punishment for them. It's called substitutionary atonement. So Jesus was able to be our substitutionary atonement because what had to take our place, not a sinner, it had to be something that was sinless, that did not have a sin nature. And remember, remember Jesus only lacked a sin nature because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, therefore did not contain what would have prevented him from being able to pay the price for us. I challenge you to search out what I'm talking about. I challenge you, encourage you. See, God is a God that loves for all times. Jesus Christ can be one day your judge, he can be your judge. Or at the Bemis seat, he can be your atonement. The substitutionary atonement that died in our place. I love Christmas. Because without Christmas, we have nothing. Without a Savior, church, we have nothing. And by the way, I don't have time for religion. Mm-hmm. Our church people know what I think. I disdain religion. Religion so sadly often has removed people from ever seeing, hearing, or knowing truth. My question is, why do you do what you do? Are you doing it because your mom and dad did it? Are you doing it because your grandparents did it? Are you doing it because, well, that's just what we always done. You better not be doing it for that. You better be doing it because Jesus Christ has transformed your life, and the truth of Jesus dying in your place and him substituting the payment for us has washed us clean. We're not here to play church. We're not here to play, oh, we're just going to Christmas, we go to church because of Christmas. No, I'm here today because Jesus set me free. God has given me life. He's given me hope. He's given me joy. He's given me peace. And I just want to tell you this morning, God's desire is to do that for you. But again, I can't say enough words. I can't give enough story. I can't do anything to make you know The reality of what truth is and how and what does truth mean to you this is what's so wild today God knows you better than you know yourself well how and why because he knit you together in your mother's womb scripture says before you were known he knew you he knit us together he knows us do you realize today the purpose and plan that God has for your life he established millennia ago Scripture says, our days were ordained before the foundations of the world. You know that that was a little easier as I meditated on that verse when when Jasmine died. It made it a little bit easier because I recognized that, I wish we had those clocks above us. I think we'd start living different, wouldn't we? Those countdown clocks, you look above you in the mirror in the morning, you go, oh no! Or, whoa, wow, I got a long time. Sadly, I've known too many people in life that if they'd have seen that clock above them, I think they had been changing pretty quick because I've known too many people that had no idea on a given morning when they woke up that it would be the last day they ever lived. See, I don't live like that because I'm just scared that one day I'm going to die and I don't want it to catch me by storm. No, I'm thankful that Jesus changed my life and I have the privilege of sharing the hope that God's given me. And the reason that you see a smile on my face has nothing to do with the way I feel. It has everything to do with what he's given me and what I experience and feel right here. I'm excited to live because God has a purpose, he has a plan for my life, and I'm able to affect and that or infect people with the lack thereof. But I want to affect people with the joy of the Lord because that is, I'm an empath, right? I, I, I soak up the emotion around me. Anybody else like that? And I want people to soak up around me the joy and that peace and that hope and that belonging and longing for what I have if they don't have that. Because what I have is real. What I have stands the test of time. And we're here 20, what, I guess, uh, almost 20 years later. If that feeling would have gone, that belonging, I'm going to tell you something, I'd have walked out of here a long time ago and I'd go and chase what the world desires to chase. This, this is real. I'm not talking about the Baptist. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about, it's a transforming work of God. That's what's real is what I'm talking about today. And if you don't have that and, and you've not experienced that today, I want to encourage you. Look at the cause of Christ. Look at the things of Christ. Look at the love of Christ. Look at the peace of God. Look at all of it. Step back God gave you a brain to think with. Man, he didn't just tell you to blindly walk into it. As a matter of fact, Scripture says to count the cost. Meaning, if you want to be a follower of cost, you better know what you're getting into. I don't hear a lot, do you? Step back. Count the cost. I did. And it's worth everything. Because I've experienced what I never experienced in the 29 years before that. And I'm so thankful for the love of God, the peace of God, the hope of God. And it came through the person of Jesus Christ and his death, born, and resurrection, and payment for me, for my sin. Do you have it this morning? Do you know that peace, that fulfillment? You wake up in the morning and it's not a joy when your smile and you smile. Is that one of those smiles that I've seen so many times I can see right through it smile hides the pain are you living a facade that, by the way facades and masks are so hard to maintain longview's had me here on the 60s in march will be 16 years been working on i'm going to just tell you one thing you can't fake it for five years much less 16 they know who i am here and the consummate reality of who I am is the fact that everything in, of, and all about me is I want to glorify the Lord. I want to live for Him. I don't care about this world. This stuff is fleeting. It's just like me at 23 years old. I was hauling a jet ski, going to the lake at a nice, I can, I can tell you what I'm wearing. I can smell everything. I see it like it was yesterday. Just like that. And I also now know see, I was lost then. I didn't realize that just a few short years later, God was going to take control of my heart, my life, my everything. And thankfully, didn't. But then those words, I heard of Jim Elliott. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, I've given what I cannot keep, which is what this life, that thing that Ellison and all of those people from Google and all those are trying to hang on to, they love this world and the money. They can't spend their money in the amount of time they have. That's how much money and wealth and All of these things that they have, they can't spend it. They were trying to do everything possible to increase their lifespan so they can continue to enjoy all that they've worked for. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep. You cannot keep this. I remember vividly the day that Michael Jackson died. By the way, Michael Jackson was a very wealthy guy. Still, to this very day, warehouses full of his memorabilia that are worth millions and millions and millions, just like the the money residual that keeps coming on. He can't spend a dime of it. George Burns died. He had a lot of money. He couldn't spend it. They put money in his pocket. Remember his cigars and his, what, was $100 bill in there? He can't spend that. How many wealthy people? Uh, I know the uh, billionaire, uh, he was in the helicopter coming out of the football. They call it football over there. Uh, he owned the football, um, the soccer team over in Europe. He was going out of his helicopter. The thing crashed. He was a billionaire, and there two or three people on there, his daughter-in-law, I think, and son. I remember when that happened. You can't spend anything. Once it's over, it's over. He is no fool, he cannot keep. Ready? To gain what he cannot lose. I've given the world, the desires of the world, and the things of the world for something that I can't lose. And what is that? The life transforming gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. I wouldn't trade it for anything. If you came, and I mean this, you might say, I'm right. You could come in here. I know what a billion dollars is, by the way. If you know what a billion dollars is, if you start counting the second you're born and you count a dollar a second, you are well into your 30s when you count that stack of money. So don't ever say, if somebody says, hey, if you count a billion dollars, I'll give it to you. I'll do it. I don't care how long it takes me. Yeah, it's going to take you almost 40 years. So if you come in here with a, by the way, it's on a pallet. About this big on a pallet. Bring it in there. Jonathan, if you walk away from here and never mention the name of Jesus Christ, you can have that billion dollars. I'd tell them about it set on fire. You know why? Because I know that that'll never, ever begin to come close to what Jesus Christ did in here and continues to do with the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And I ask you today, do you know that peace of God? And if not, I want you to understand today, he loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And he can put a joy unspeakable in your heart that I assure you will not only change your life, but it'll change your family, it'll change subsequent generations of your family and what he desires to do in your life today. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the beauty this morning as we're able to celebrate what Jesus Christ means to us in the advent, the coming. God, thank you, Lord, for loving us so much, Father. God, it's, it's, I can't explain it, I couldn't explain it, Father. I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how much you love us. God, I thank you that you do. Father, I pray this morning, if there's ones watching online, Lord, or sitting in the pews this morning that want nothing more than to experience what I've shared this morning, but, God, they don't know how to get from point A to point B, God, you know I can't convince them of anything, but you can. And I pray that your spirit would move in their hearts, that God, you would give them the overwhelming understanding of all that you are and all that you desire to do in their life this morning so that they can understand that you love them, that you sent Jesus for them, that you paid the sin debt for them in full. And it is them that can reach out for the hand that reached down today. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, for ones that are just struggling with situations in life. They are followers of Christ. They know what it is to be a a born-again Christian. Father, I pray today that you would, Lord, they would cast all their cares on you. As Scripture says, your yoke is easy, your burden's light. Father, I pray you'd give them refreshment, Lord, as they come and, and lay down at your feet, Father, and lay these issues that they're struggling with or battling today. Father, those here today who are struggling because of a loved one that is not a Christian, that is out and and battling, struggling, hurting right now. Father, I pray that we would lift those up to you this morning, Lord, because you answer prayer. You're a God that gets involved in our lives and does things for your glory, God, but also you will transform the lives and you can reach those hardest of hearts and those family members that don't want anything to do with the love of God. God, open their hearts, speak to them as only you can. Father, I pray this morning above all that you would be glorified that you would be honored, that you would be lifted up. And God, we commit all this to you, and we ask this in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.